0: me teach just for a few minutes today, and so take your Bibles and turn over to the book of First Corinthians chapter 3, and we're just going to read a couple verses, and then I'm going to teach or preach or whatever, you know, whatever it is the Lord leads us to do today. This definitely seems like a little bit more of a, a teaching message rather than a preaching message, but I believe this is the direction the Lord wants us to go today, and I also believe this is going to be a help to you, and so 1 Corinthians chapter 3 in your Bibles, and when you find your place this morning, if you're able to stand, let's all stand Together, and I'll tell you what we'll do, since we're only going to read two verses, we'll just read those verses together today. First Corinthians chapter three, and I want you to find your place in verse number sixteen, and we'll read verses sixteen and seventeen together. Here we go. Ready? The Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy which temple ye are. You may be seated this morning. Now, we're going to go to a few other places today, specifically 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to encourage you to put a little place there at Ephesians chapter 2. But we're going to start right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I just want to give you some, some content today that most of you probably already know all these things, the pastor's job is not always to bring you stuff you don't know. The pastor's job is to remind you of things you already know. It's just, I'm just to remind you of those things. And so most of these things you probably already know, but, um, but I hope it's going to be a blessing for you to be reminded of it. And so let's talk about the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into this Bible study today. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be here. Wow. Lord, what a service, and uh, Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, and Father, we thank you that we feel that today. We feel the spirit of God working, and God, thank you for every song, and thank you for the choir, and Lord, thank you for that beautiful special, and uh, Lord, it's it's helped us. It's encouraged us. Father, we're going to go away helped. We're going to go away encouraged and blessed, and now, Lord, as we take just a few moments and close this service with the word of God. I pray that you'll bless this time of teaching and preaching. And Lord, I pray that it will honor you and glorify you. And Lord, I pray that it'll be a blessing to your, your people. So fill us with the spirit of God. Touch us in a great way. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all the Lord's people said, amen. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, the Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. What does that mean? What is is that all about? What what is scripture talking about when it refers to the temple of God? Is that something that I ought to be concerned about? I mean, is that uh, something that that affects the child of God? Uh, Or you may refer to it as the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is what we have on the screen today. Somebody says, preacher, is that really important? Is that something that I need to know about, something that the child of God ought to be concerned about? And I wanna say absolutely it is. It's something that's, in, that's vital to your Christian growth and something that's vital to your Christian life. So I wanna just go through and we're gonna teach a few things today and I hope that it'll be, it'll be a, a blessing to today. So first of all, let me just begin by saying this. Number one, the church is referred to as the temple. The church is. Uh, again, look at your scripture today. First Corinthians chapter three and verse 16. The Bible says know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now look at verse 17. He says, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And I'm gonna be honest with you, for many, many years as I've read that scripture and used that scripture and preached that scripture, I've always sort of interpreted those verses to to be speaking to the individual child of God, to to be speaking to the individual Christian. But in studying this out, really, really studying this out, most scholars seem to agree that the temple of God referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter three is actually speaking of the church, collectively the church, that that's the context of 1 Corinthians chapter number three. And I'll be honest, it makes good sense. Look in that same chapter, if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and look at verse number 9. Paul says to the church here, for we, notice that, the plural, for we are, notice the next word, laborers together. So this is not necessarily talking about an individual context, it's talking about the church collectively. For we are laborers together with God. Then he goes on to say, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Again, notice the plural there. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and then Paul says, and another buildeth their own. But let every man take heed how he buildeth their own. So this is a in context, the temple of God here is referring to the church. If that be the case, I believe it probably is, then this is the challenge, that those within the church should never defile it. That's what he's saying. That we're, we're, we're working together, we're labors together. We are, we are the temple of God. This is the temple of God and that we're to be careful never to defile it. Look at verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, speaking of the church, Him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. That word defile is the Greek word pharaoh, and it means to spoil or to ruin by moral influences. Now, let me break this down for you. Basically, what the word of God is telling us here is this, that you and I, as a part of the collective church, we should never, ever hurt the church. We should never hurt the temple of God. Then you say, What do you mean, pastor, hurt the church or defile the church? Well, we should never defile the church, whether it's our actions toward the church or our testimony away from the church. So somebody says, well, preacher, I would never hurt the church, you know, stand up in a service and hurt the church. No, but I'll be honest with you. Sometimes if our testimony doesn't match what we say, our testimony doesn't seem to match up with our Christian testimony. You know what's happening? You're hurting the church. So that means that you don't have to be at the church to defile the church. So we can defile the church by our actions toward the church. We can defile the church by our testimony away from the church or take something else. We can defile the church by what we allow to come into the church. And this is what our Bible is saying. And this is pretty plain, but the Bible is telling us this. If anybody hurts the church, they should expect to be hurt by God, so if we defile the church, the collective church, the temple of God, if we if we you know occasionally I'll hear people say things about what they're going to do in the church and and uh Sometimes they don't agree with things and, and they'll say, I'm gonna stand up. I had a guy tell me that. I'm gonna stand up in the service and, and I'm gonna you know, handle it in a public service. And I'm gonna tell you something, church, that's not the way to do it. Amen. There is a way to handle that, but that's not the way to do it. Man, you think about the lost people are there. You think about the young Christians that are there that are not gonna understand that. And, uh, and I tell people, listen, if there's something you can't agree with and you can't get it rectified, man, don't stand up and cause a ruckus, just slip away quietly and, and you go somewhere where God leads you to go. And, uh, but if we, if we defile the church by our actions or defile the church by our testimony, uh, the Bible says there that God's gonna defile us. Again, look at verse 17. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. By the way, that word defile in verse 17 and the word destroy are the same Greek words Exactly. They're the same Greek words. God said, if you destroy the church, I'm going to destroy you. Now, again, that's very plain preaching, but boy, how many know, I didn't write this, God wrote this. And so we ought to be very, very careful that we don't do anything that's gonna take away from the church or hurt the church or hinder the church. Now, Somebody says, well, preacher, why is it that God places such a high priority on his church? And this is the reason I believe, because his son died for the church. And so why is it that God is so protective of the church? Why is it that God says, don't you mess with the church? Don't you defile the church? Why? Because God says, my son loved the church so much that he came to die for it. Ephesians chapter five, verse 25 says it like this. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, somebody says, Pastor, I don't, I don't understand that. You know what? Really and truly, church, that's not hard to understand. Why would God be so offended when people hurt his church? Think about it like this. Let's say that you had a child that you just loved with all your heart, born into your family, you just loved them with all your heart. And uh, you came to know someone who needed a, a transplant. They needed a, an organ donor. They needed a heart. They needed kidneys or they needed a lung or whatever the case may be, but they were gonna have to have this uh, this uh, uh, organ or they were gonna pass away. And so let's just say hypothetically, that you allowed your own child to donate their heart or their lung or their kidneys or whatever the case may be. You allowed your child to donate that organ to this person who needed the the donation and you knew that that, you know what, when your child did that, it was going to take your child's life. So sure enough, they came and did the surgery they took your your uh, your child they took took the heart out and they gave your child's heart to this other person and your child passed away and you had the funeral for your child and then you watched as this person who took the heart of your son or your daughter you watched as they wasted their life with drugs and alcohol let me ask you a question do you feel like you'd be defrauded? Don't be so spiritual. You would. If your own flesh and blood, if your own son or daughter gave their heart to save somebody else's life, and now their heart's beating in somebody else's body, and yet they're wasting their life, and they're just giving their life away to, to sin and and uh, and the deprivation, you know what, you would feel so cheated, you would say, man, you know what, I mean, my son or my daughter gave their life so you could have life, and that yet here you are wasting, you're like, listen, how do you think that God feels when God said, I gave my only son for the church, and yet the church, people, like like the church is no big deal and they're gonna defile the church and God Almighty Almighty spoke from heaven and said, if you defile the church that I love so much, you can expect to be defiled yourself. And so the church is referred to as the temple. But this is where I wanna get to today and stay just for a moment. Number two is this, the body is referred to as the temple. Now, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and look at verse number 19 with me, if you will, this morning. And then we're going to go right over to Ephesians chapter 2, and let me help you. And I believe this is going to be a blessing to you. I believe it's going to be a help to you, especially those who are a little younger in the Lord today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19, the Bible says it like this, what? Paul says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. He said, in other words, you don't belong to yourself. Once you become a child of God, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to God. For we are, uh, verse 20, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, here's, a, here's the difference. 1 Corinthians chapter three, when it talks about the temple of God, it's talking about the church, collectively, the church. And they will never defile the church. And if we do, God's gonna defile us. But 1 Corinthians chapter six in its context is talking about the temple of the Holy Spirit as far as the individual's concerned. That you and I, when we are born again, that we become the temple of God. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now let me show you some more scripture. Ephesians chapter two in your Bibles. And uh, I want you to stay there because we're going to come back to this in just a little while. But Ephesians chapter two, and look please at verse number 21. Ephesians two, verse 21. The Bible says there, Ephesians two, verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together. Oh, I love this, this next part. For a what? for a habitation of God through the spirit in other words in other words church what the bible's teaching is this that when you when you become born again When you accept Christ as your Savior, that your body, yes, the church is the temple, but your body becomes the temple of God. That God's Holy Spirit literally, literally, this is not figuratively, this is not symbolically, but literally when you get born again, God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you and your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say a couple things about that today. How about this? Number one, I want you to know the physical temple is temporary. The physical temple is temporary. You possess a temple, but you are not necessarily the temple. It's what you live in. It's what the Holy Spirit lives in. Now, this is what I mean by this. We live in a body, but life is more than the body. That's what I'm talking about. Now, Boy, please, don't throw me under the bus. But we, my wife and I, we, I told the Sunday school class this morning, we flew out to Las Vegas, Nevada because uh, that was as, as far west as we could, we could fly with Allegiant. And, and uh, that was close enough, though. And the kids drove over from Los Angeles and, and we um, had some wonderful fellowship together uh, there. But I'm gonna tell you what, after coming back for a few days in Las Vegas, Nevada, one of the things I understand is this, people are living for the body. They are living for the body. People are consumed with this temporary temple. Uh, I mean, literally consumed with it. It's all about pleasing the body. Whatever it takes to please the body. Church, I want to tell you something. This life is more than the body. And that's why we, that's why occasionally we meet people and we'll invite them to church and they'll say, well, preacher, I would come, but that's my only day to rest. Now, wait a minute now. I understand you, you, you work hard, I get that. And by the way, we, we all are. But, uh, but, but, but when you say something like that, well, I would do this, but it's my only day to rest the body. What you're saying is this, the most important thing in my life is the body. Uh, somebody, you know, some people don't pray. And the reason they don't pray is because the body doesn't wanna pray. And I, I wanna tell you something, the body doesn't wanna pray. The body doesn't wanna read the Bible. The body wants to eat ice cream. And the body wants to watch television. And the body wants to go to the football game. That's what the body wants to do. The body doesn't wanna to come to church. The body doesn't wanna do anything that's spiritual. That's, that's the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit. And again, I'm just telling you that there are some people that are consumed with making this body happy. In fact, a lot of the worship today in our churches are designed to satisfy and gratify the body. That's what it's all about, just making sure the body is happy. Now listen to what Luke 12 says in verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, neither for the body. What ye shall put on, the life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. You know what Jesus is saying? Listen, there's more to life than just pleasing this flesh. That's what he's saying. Man, live for God. Live for the kingdom of God. Don't just, don't go through life letting your body rule you and be the king in your life. But understand that, hey, you're to put this body under subjection and, uh, and you, you and I are to live for the Lord. First Timothy 4, 8, the Bible says, for bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the light that now is and of that which is to come. So the physical temple is temporary. But listen to this next thing I'm about to say. Number two, the human body is really not a temple apart from God's spirit. Now it's, it, it is, I'll tell you what it is, it's an amazing creation of God. In fact, every once in a while people will say, there is no God and I'm thinking, are you serious? Can you, really, can you really look at the human body and try to tell me there's not a God? That all of this just happened to happen? Somebody said, it's like a, somebody said it's like a letter factory having a massive explosion, and when all the ash and all the letters settle down, they settle down and form a dictionary. You said, preacher, that could never happen. You're right, neither could this. The body is an amazing, amazing thing that proves the existence of a creator. 206 different bones, over 600 muscles. Hey, explain this one. Over 60% of your body is made of water. And yet you function. 100,000 miles of blood vessels, if they were to take you apart and to tie all your blood vessels into the end, to end It'd be long enough to travel around the world more than three times, one human body. Every second your body produces 25 million cells. That means in 15 seconds you produce more cells than there are people in the United States of America in just 15 seconds. Lungs that inhale 2,400 gallons of air every day, a heart that beats 4,200 times an hour, pumps 12 tons of blood every day, An eyeball that can take in 80,000 items per second. Now, amazing, yes. The human body is absolutely amazing. But it is not a temple apart from salvation. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you have an amazing body, you have an amazing creation, but you're not the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because it does not become a temple until you come to know Christ. Now, Think about this. When, I, when I, I started thinking about the temple, temple of God, temple of the Holy Spirit, I think about the Old Testament. And how many remember in the Old Testament, back in Moses' day, they had the Old Testament tabernacle or temple? Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. That temple really wasn't a lot to look at. I mean, it had poles and curtains. It had uh, animal skins that covered it over. Bag your skins, and uh, I mean, if you were to stand up on the hillside and look down on the tabernacle, it really wasn't a whole lot to see. I mean, if you were to look at the old old temple, you'd have say, "Man, I mean, there's nothing really impressive about that." But let me tell you what was impressive about the tabernacle. In that tabernacle was a place called the Holy of Holies, Amen. and in that Holy of Holies, God came in the Shekinah glory, and that cloud and that fire hovered over the tabernacle. And that's what made the Old Testament tabernacle so special. And so it is with the child of God. When somebody receives the Son of God, believes in Jesus, accepts him by faith, their body is transformed into the temple of the Holy Spirit. What's that mean? That means the Shekinah glory literally comes to live inside of them. Listen, listen to Ephesians 2 verse 21 again. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, you say, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Why are you teaching this? And let me tell you, this is where business really picks up. You say, "Well, okay, all right, Pastor, I get it. So, I I, I trust in Christ, and and uh, God puts His Holy Spirit inside of me. Big deal. Yeah, it's a real big deal. Because let me tell you what happens when the Spirit of God moves in. He begins to set up housekeeping. He begins to literally listen to this. He begins to literally transform your life from the inside." In fact, you're in Ephesians chapter two. Look there with me again. Ephesians two, verse 19. The Bible says, now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household. Notice the words he uses here. The household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. What's your point? Preacher, my point is this, that when the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, he begins to make a new building. He begins to make you new. He begins to change your life. He begins to transform you. Now, let me see if I can illustrate this out. The last few days, we got to spend a little time with Tim and Hannah, Timothy and Hannah. And so, how long, honey, how long have they been married now? You know, four years. So, five years ago, Tim came to me and he said, preacher. I'd like to uh, have your daughter's hand in marriage. I said, you get out of here, you dirty rascal. But anyway, and, uh, <laughs> but he said, I'd like to marry your daughter. And so, anyway, long story short, year later, they, uh, they got married. And, uh, and they and Hannah moved out of our house, been with us for uh, all those years, and had her own bedroom, and not only had her own bedroom, but we had fixed up her bedroom, you know, just like she wanted it, and she was content, and she was safe, and she was taken care of, and she was loved, and she was nurtured. And I'm getting madder, madder, at Timothy, right now. But I. <laughs> wait a minute now. And that day came, and they walked the aisle together, and they were wed. They got married. And they moved down here to Advance, North Carolina, to live in a house. And I'm going to be honest with you, and all you parents can understand where I'm coming from. We were a little concerned about that. This house was very old. It was not, uh, it was very sad. I'm just telling you the truth. It was very sad. And uh, they want us to come down. Mom, Dad, come down. You got to come down. You got to see the house. got to see the house. And so we went down. <laughs> I hope they're not watching right now. But anyway, and... Uh, so we drove down to Advance, and they were so excited about showing us the house. And this and Tammy and I walked in the house, and we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then behind the scenes, we were like, oh, man, what in the world? I mean, it was sort of sad. I mean, Tim got it for, he got it for hardly anything. He bought the thing for hardly anything. And, uh, man, we got in the car that day. I know we did. We got in the car that day and went home. We're like, I don't know. I don't know about our little girl moving into a house like that. I mean, it was, it was just, it needed a lot of work. That's putting it mildly, church. I'm telling you, it needed a lot of work. And you know one of the things I noticed? That Tim and Hannah were just as giddy and excited. They act like they didn't see the walls that weren't painted. They act like they didn't see the drywall that needed to be replaced. They act like they didn't even see the bare floors where the carpet was tore up. Staples were still stucking up out of the floor. I mean, they just like, like, we're just so in love. We can't wait to move into our mansion. I mean, it's just beautiful. And we, were, and, and we were thinking, man, this is a mess. And it really was. By the way, by the way, and so it is with the child of God. When somebody gets saved, there are things that you see they don't see. And you're thinking, they shouldn't be doing that or shouldn't be acting like that. But they don't know that yet. But wait a minute now! Wait a minute. Here's my point. Did you know that after Tim and Hannah moved in to the house, and they begin to paint, and they begin to drywall, they begin to lay floor. Man, they begin to tear out stuff and bring stuff in. And they, by the way, they're, and they're very good at that. How little by little, they would say, "Mom, Dad, you got to come down. you Got to come down." And we would go down to the house, and oh man, it looked totally different. I mean, places where there was no tile before, now there's tile. Now there's a beautiful restroom and shower heads coming out of the ceiling. And I mean, there's just, I mean, it's just beautiful and stairways. And uh, and I mean, it just, and, and literally when they sold that house before they moved to California, it was absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Now, You say, Pastor, what made the difference? I'll tell you what made the difference. When they moved in, the house began to change. You know why it's so important for you to get saved? Because when the Spirit of God moves in, the Holy Spirit begins to make a change. Oh yes, good neighbor, that's right. You say, Pastor, why are you teaching this? What's the big deal? Oh, I I want to tell you what, friend, it's a mighty big deal because when the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, you know what he does? He starts changing your likes. He starts changing your wants. He starts changing your desires. He starts changing the things you want to listen to, the people you want to be around, the places you want to go, the things you want to do. Hey, it is the Holy Spirit of God that begins to live transform your life. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Somebody says, preacher, I cannot live the Christian life. You got that, Jack? Pastor, I'd get saved, but I don't think I can live it. Well, you're right. You're right. Neither can I. That's why God, when you get saved, that's why God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. Because the Spirit of God begins to live the Christian life through you and in you. And somebody says, well, preacher, you know, I've got this thing in my life and and if I get saved, what about this thing in my life? I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit will put you on a new path. You say, preacher, I've just got, you know, I've got some words that I've, I use sometimes, I know I shouldn't use them, but I use these words. That's okay. You know what the Holy Spirit's a pro at? He's a pro at cleaning you up. He's a pro. He's a pro at giving you a new vision. Oh, yes, good neighbor. He's a pro at giving you new sight. He's a pro at giving you new joy. Uh, he's, He's a pro. Listen, did you know the best thing you could do for your marriage is just get saved? Did you know the best thing you could do for your kids is just get saved? You say, Well, preacher, I've tried this, and I've tried this class, and I've tried this program, and I've tried this social group, and I've tried this, and nothing works. Hey, why don't you try Jesus? Because Jesus Christ can do what other things and other people can't. Years ago, when we were on the bus route, we used to sing a little song and had the kids sing a little song. And it went like this. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. Things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Or you could say it like this. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. The things I used to look at, I don't look at anymore the places I used to go. I don't go there anymore and don't even want to. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Where does that change come from, Pastor? Temple of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask you a question. We're done. Has there been a great change? In your life, has God set up housekeeping? You say Th- things, preacher. Things are pretty crummy. Things are pretty crummy. Okay, why don't you let the master renovator move in and let him start reconstructing and remodeling your marriage and your life? Let's bow His Father. We love you, Lord. A simple, simple fault. But God, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, somebody needed this today. Father, thank you that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'll work in hearts this morning. Father, just as sure as I'm here, there's probably somebody here today that needs to give their heart to Jesus. Somebody's watching my way of the live stream. And they don't know that they know that they know that they're on their way to heaven. God, help this day, January the 22nd, 2023, to be the day. God, they tried religion. They tried church membership. They've tried Alcoholics Anonymous. They've tried classes. They've tried programs and plans. Nothing seems to work. God, today I pray that you'd work in their heart and give them faith. And I pray today... They'll try Jesus. And Lord, I pray you'd literally transform their life. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me ask a question or two. How many are here today? And you'd say, Pastor Pope, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I know that I know that I am saved and going to heaven When I die, without anybody looking, without anybody looking, if that's you, you just slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, it's me, it's me. Thank you so much. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this though. Come on, I want you to be be honest, honest, honest with me. How many are here this morning say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm gonna be honest. I am not sure about heaven. I'm not sure. Pastor, I wanna go. I don't wanna go to hell. But I am not sure that if I died today that I would spend eternity in heaven. And preacher, I need you to say a prayer for me. Please, would you say a prayer for me without anybody looking? Nobody's looking. Would you very quietly just slip up your hand right now and say, "Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure. Would you pray for me?" Just slip your hand up right now. Let me pray for you. Is there one? I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there somebody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another? Come on. Come on, be honest. Raise it up really high so I don't miss you in this crowd. Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure. I'm not sure of heaven. I see that little hand. Is there anybody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm going to ask our personal workers very quietly to slip out and come. If you're here this morning and you said, Pastor, I raised my hand and I am not sure of heaven. Okay. all oh, listen to me. Here's what I want you to do. In just a moment when we stand, I want you to step out immediately and I want you to come and we want to pray with you today. We want to, we want to be a blessing to you. We're not gonna make you give a speech. We're not gonna make you do anything like that. Nothing, nothing, nothing like that. But we would like to pray with you. And we want you to know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you're going to heaven when you die. So very quietly, may we stand all around the house today. Father, thank you for your blessings. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Lord, I pray today that the Holy Spirit will We'll take up resonance in some folks today. Have your way right now, please. And we thank thee in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Listen, if you're here this morning, would you come right now? Would you come? If you raised your hand this morning or maybe you didn't raise your hand and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure of heaven. Hey, listen, would you step out right now? We have some folks praying for you. They're praying for you. Would you come? Would you come? We wanna take the word of God and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you come? Would you come? Folks are coming. How about you? Are there others? Would you come? Preacher, I believe I'm saved, but I'm not sure I've given the Holy Spirit freedom to work in my life I want you to pray for me. If that's you, you come today, all right? While we wait. Father, I thank you for your blessings. Oh, Holy Spirit, this is all you. There's, This is you. Spirit of God, I pray you'd work. I pray you'd draw. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray you'd help. I pray you'd encourage. I pray you'd give people faith. God, give them courage to make a move. I sure appreciate honest people. So right now, Lord, work in their life. Father, help nobody to leave this place lost without Jesus, not knowing that they know that they know they're going to heaven when they die. Lord, please, do a miracle today, I pray. And we thank you, Lord. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Are there others that need to come?